0: Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. Today's recording comes from Doug Duncan and Catherine Pouassarat's Facebook livestream series, Enlighten Up. In this talk, Doug and Catherine explore the topic of crazy wisdom. Also known as divine madness, these are energetic and unpredictable teachings that help shake the students' fixed views about their reality. The stuck nature of our egos requires a breaking through of the status quo in order to access a place of open spaciousness of possibility. They also explore the paradox that we actually feel more in control and secure when we let go of our ego's need to be in charge all the time. This coming February, Doug and Catherine will be in Los Angeles for the Conscious Life Expo. While in LA, They will also be teaching at various locations around the city. Planning to be in the LA area at that time? Stay tuned for more details so you can come join them at one of their events. And now, here's today's recording.
1: Today's topic is so-called crazy wisdom. You could substitute in energetic wisdom, You could substitute in innocent wisdom and the reason for this is because the ego that's you and me and everybody else is fundamentally and absolutely alone we're born alone we live alone we die alone and inside the ego of our own minds we are alone and because of that we are separate we are divided we are insecure we're vulnerable we're in a universe way too big for one little ego to manage And because of that, it's traumatized. So you can say perhaps that the ego doesn't get traumatized. You could say perhaps that the ego is the trauma. So in that sense, as egos, we're all suffering or struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. So therefore, you need some energetic energy and some energetic mind states to break through that to the other side of that, which is a sense of unity.
2: So how, what does that look like?
1: Well, with crazy wisdom, you need to embrace a technology or a methodology that helps you break through the isolation of the ego's trauma and to enter into this altered field, which is by definition bliss, clarity, non-clean. But because the ego is traumatized, it doesn't want to do it. It wants to stay comfortable or safe inside its separation. And at the same time, it feels separate and isolated. So that's kind of the dilemma.
2: Right. The nature of the ego is to settle into some sort of status quo and the nature of breakthrough is really revolutionary, Mm. which is where the crazy part comes from. Mm. And and so if we want to transcend the ego on our spiritual path, on our path to spiritual enlightenment, then that's going to require some breaking through status quo and that's certainly going to appear crazy to somebody. Maybe to our own egos
1: to our own self in a way Mm -hmm. so in a sense we all live on one side of the wall in our egos and This transcendent thing this Christ consciousness Buddha nature, whatever is on union divine union is on the other side of the wall And whenever you come up against the wall you go. no, 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 I can't go over that wall And so the crazy wisdom or the energetic wisdom is actually as Trungpa said recovering the innocent mind the vulnerable mind, the open mind, the trusting mind, and the ego has a big problem doing that.
2: Not every tradition embraces crazy wisdom. It's kind of a special feature of Vajrayana or also known as Tantrayana, which we see in Tibetan Buddhism and in Shingon in Japanese Buddhism. And our spiritual tradition really embraces what we're calling here crazy wisdom. It's also called divine madness. And it's this spontaneity, it's this sort of like a Rinzai Zen koan. What is the sound of one hand clapping? It's these ways of speaking or ways of being that our ego just can't fix, that our ego just can't get a grasp on. And therefore we have to move beyond this everyday status quo reality and consciousness and break through ourselves into something that's beyond that and we know that the universe, that the cosmos, is not limited to just the rationale that, that our ego knows. That we know that that is tiny in comparison to the wonder and the wisdom of the cosmos and that's something that crazy wisdom or divine madness gives us a taste of. is that wide-open spaciousness of possibility and that our friends is an essential element of what we call spiritual liberation.
1: Just so, just so. So from the point of view of the ego, it's crazy wisdom. From the point of view of the ego, it's energetic intervention or whatever. From the point of view of the ego, it's uh, struggle or difficulty or scary or fearful. It's certainly involved. But, But from the point of view of the transcendental, it's no such thing. It's spacious, it's clear, it's open, it's lovely. From the point of view of the ego, it, it, it works on some very strong powers that are holding it in place, and this is called the shadow. These are areas of our psyche that we have pushed out of the way or underneath in order to get along with our egos in the world. And when you're in a situation where you, with the ego feels threatened or challenged or vulnerable, it's gonna to revert to its program in terms of money, sex, and power as a place to hold on and and grasp onto, which puts you solidly on the struggle side of the wall. So to meet the energetic transformation of those things into the sense that the universe is giving you everything you ever had, therefore there is no shortage, that your identity is whatever you put on, whatever you make up, and there is no inherent, correct or right identity to have, and therefore your self-image isn't so important. And when you realize that the whole system together is in control and that we honor that, for instance, say in biomimicry or, or nature's processes, that we don't need that much control most of the time, then it makes it much easier to enter into that surrender, which makes it curiously almost a paradox that the more you let go and the more you surrender into this other side of the wall, actually the more resources, the clearer the sense of identity and the clearer the sense of control is in terms of your own being, and therefore in your community.
2: The more security you feel. And the more
1: security you feel. Yeah. And it's kind of a paradox in a way. It's not just negatives, it's like a large part of the spiritual life is people attempting to get into a good, clear space. And the thing is, is they don't really have to work at that, actually, because that is there naturally underneath the ego's surface. So what the spiritual life focuses a lot on is the negatives, how to get rid of the greed or the anger or the confusion and so on. And part of the problem, from our point of view, is that this is not all of humanity's task. It's not all of humanity's task to remove the negatives. It's also to explore the positives. But as long as the ego's in control, the negatives always have kind of an un overweighted power or control of this. So by letting that go, we encourage the ego to explore its positives, which is exploration, discovery, experimentation, curiosity, engagement, and a sense of trust that the universe isn't going to blow up if my ego gets right. We don't have to find the positive or the wholesome or the, or the imaginative or the creative. That is our natural state. But what we do have to do is knock out the, the blocks that keep our wheels <laughs> spinning in the air. And one of them is is the way we, our Western ego is very much rewarded and honored for its successes. So every small child learns by the time they're in grade three that they're in a competitive market. And so from a very early age, our family is competing with the family next door. And so this whole sense that the ego, and by extension the nuclear family, and by extension your company and your corporation are all com- competing against each other, which is fair enough and true in some ways, isn't the whole picture. There's another picture going on that is more cooperative and engaging. And so here again at Clear Sky, we're trying to undertake the four bottom lines to restore the sense of cooperation, environmental and social and economic and spiritual integration, generative way of being. It's part of what we do to meet the the opposite side of crazy wisdom is bright, shiny, sane wisdom. (laughs) One of the ways that and, and a very powerful way that we hold this whole thing in place is through communication and c- communication is based on my language and my language is based on my parents and by extension my community and society and so on and the communication in western terms is very much i focused i did this i'm going to do that i am this and then by extension identifying catherine as mine and me as hers, it becomes a we.
2: My partner in this case, or my co-teacher. And
1: then my case. kids, my family, my and my tribe, working its way out. So it, the communication aspect structures around the language, and the language, in English anyway, is noun, subject, verb. So it's very much a dichotomy in, in the language that separates and divides, which is wonderful for naming birds and species of mushrooms, right.
2: classification, <laughs>
1: classification, and communication. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. But from the point of view, Of the ego, it's also an isolator. So that what you think you're going through and what you think you're experiencing, you think is just you. You don't see that you're in a group of people who are all probably at some point or other having the same feelings and the same thoughts and the same ideas and the same sensations about all sorts of things. But because of the language, I, we feel that separation, which is in that sense, artificial.
2: And this is somewhat unique. Not every language has this. So if we look at English as an example, English was a language invented or developed for commercial and military conquest. And as Sensei said, it's very linear. It's subject-object oriented. So it has a built-in, what in what Buddhist philosophy we call duality. If you have subject-object, then you've got this polarization from the very roots of your language. And not every language has this. Chinese, for example, does not have this. And for many years I read the Heart Sutra in English and could not make heads or tails of it. And then I uh, got a book with translations and read it in Chinese and it made a lot more sense because in Chinese it doesn't have the subject-object linear orientation. It's a much rounder, fluid kind of form of expression. And then the meaning becomes much more clear. This is one of the reasons why we embrace a planetary consciousness. Yes. Yeah. It's not the purview of any particular kind of people or socio economic class or elite or educated people. It's really a, a union consciousness of and that's why we call ourselves planet dharma.
1: So and on that
2: we should be cosmic Dharma. Yes, cosmic dharma. <laughs>
1: Planetary. Planetary Why is a limit good start. ourselves
2: to the planet?
1: <laughs> so you could say, in some ways, that English is prose and Chinese is poetry, and so you could also, in some ways, make that association between this side of the wall, which is the struggle side of the ego, the prose side, and the other side of the wall, which is the transcendent side, which is more poetry. So if you're a very analytical, structured, economic, mechanical, scientific kind of person, which most of us in the West are, by the way we work and function you could say the problem that we're stuck with is that we're just doing prose all the time when in fact the transcendent side is dismissed as poetry which has no economic or mechanical or scientific value you can't bake bread with prose particularly or poetry so you might want to think that way as well that the shadow also holds itself by its definitions and its language Like, what is my sexual identity? So now in the modern age, we're talking a lot about alphabet people like the LGBTQT and so on. And so by extending the non-fixed labels about our resources or about our identity or about our power and control, we are in a sense also allowing ourselves to let go of the prose side and have a more poetic relationship to our identities, which would be a very useful thing for community, if not a great thing for fixing the tractor. For that you want prose, (laughs) although there's a there's a poetry element. the mechanical aspect, it. There's a poetry element.
2: And this is another reason why it's so valuable to be exposed to diverse cultures and why we really embrace a planetary view because if we look at the world's traditions, there are other cultures that embrace numerous different kinds of so-called gender or manifestations of sexual orientation. And that's a part of their culture and they believe that to be natural. Was it? Islands in Indonesia have seven, I think. Um,
1: Thai has three that I know of.
2: At least. At least three. Yeah. And an indigenous tribe in in North America has five. Five. And So. so it's excellent to be exposed to these different kinds of paradigms as opportunities to reflect on them and expand our own way of thinking, which can get really quite small in such a vast universe.
1: So returning to the idea of crazy wisdom for a minute, the teaching speaks about two inherent problems. One is conflicting emotions, and the other is primitive views. So using what we've been talking about so far, you could say that fixed I language is a primitive view. It's holding reality in a very useful and functional but small box.
2: It is a small box.
1: And then the emotional conflict we suffer from this small box is because we identify so much with the small box we're in emotional conflict almost all the time because we see other as a challenge or a threat or an interruption to the I moment and so the crazy wisdom is simply to bring your attention to the analytical wisdom is the energetic wisdom is simply to bring your attention to what is already going on in your being and that you don't really acknowledge because it seems so much like just being me and we say okay look it's a wider picture and the ego goes, no, thank you, it's scary out there.
2: It's hard to defend our little me box all by ourselves. So to take on That's more true. feels yeah. Yeah. even more frightening.
1: Right. So by relaxing your issue about resources rather than my money. People will talk to us about some of their problems and people are much more revealing about their sexual issues than they are about their economic issues. Because economics, money is more fundamentally important than sexuality. So you can see how the, the secrecy or the containment gets closer the deeper you get to the ego's sense of separation. So in community businesses and so on, you have mutual support resource-wise and in kind of more loosely defined relationships, then you have more support there and and therefore your control and power is shared and there's not so much weight coming down on you.
2: Right, not so much stress on such a small number of people.
1: Exactly. When we speak about the shadow, we're not talking about some evil power. Mostly what we're talking about is an unconscious relationship to these issues. We're unconscious about our sense of resources. We just Trying to go out and trying to get the money to, to be alive and to take care of ourselves. But we're unconscious of the stress that comes from the idea that we are resource independent or I am res- just solely responsible for my resources. And the same thing then when it comes to relationship or community or communication, which is that second sexual identity, it's like my, I, any feelings or are, 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 or desires I have that don't fit into the mainstream have to be pushed into the unconscious lest they get rejected and money and control or um, uh, sorry, money and then uh, sexuality and identity about that. And then the control issue is about, well, if I'm not in control, I'm losing. If I'm not in charge, I'm annihilated or defeated rather than uh, there's a moment. If I'm not moment.
2: in control, I'm relaxing. <laughs> yeah.
1: rather, rather than if I'm not in control, I'm relaxing. And I have a moment coming up next. So that sense that, okay, well, now it's that, and then it's this, and then it's the other. It doesn't have to be me, me, me all the time. Should we see if there's any questions?
3: I guess my question is, um, you know what comes up? If, if you're not in control, it's like my parents' voice, right? If you're not in control of your own life, then mm. no one else is gonna be in, take care of you, right? Yes. So you've gotta be super in control and take care yeah. of things. and. Yeah.
1: And that's true. Yeah. In the current structure of society, that's a true statement.
2: If you're going to live in the prevailing
3: that, paradigm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That paradigm, that's true. So it's a very true statement.
3: So is the kind of letting go that for transcendence, that kind of letting go, does that really then require community, would you say? So that you have that support to let go? Because could you let go, say, in the mainstream paradigm, really?
1: Extremely difficult. That's a very good question, yeah, Cara. A great
3: question. and in
1: fact, it's extremely difficult to do it on your own. Almost everybody who is awake has awakened through some kind of paradigm, St. Francis, in spite of Christianity. And in a way, you can say the Buddha awakened in spite of Buddhism. So the traditions are there to provide a raft and a support, but they're not an end in itself. It's a way of supporting and fostering the ability to surrender. And when one person surrenders, they surrender into a totality. But the methodology is, in a sense, bridges that wall. So the, if, say for instance, in Buddhism, it starts on this side of the wall, but it leads you over to the other side of the wall. But the idea is once you cross over to the other side of the wall, you don't need so much the support of that tradition. However, in order to support and live it in the community and to embrace it in a more worldwide space, spectrum, which would be better for humanity itself, including the environment, then you need community and you need strong community because the, lo- the law of large numbers is, is that it's very hard to do anything on your own anymore. It involves community to do something. So community then gives you the support to help other people to do it. Otherwise, you've got to go get a job. Yeah,
2: it's a great question, and There's two layers to that question and I'm I'm just, of course I agree with everything that Sensei said and I think I'm just saying what you said in a different way. But spiritual awakening is an interesting thing. It, It really comes down to the individual. It's the individual that takes the steps to spiritual unfoldment and only the individual can do that. And in that sense, it's kind of the ultimate in self-determination. And on the other hand, boy, it sure helps if there's a lot of support. And role models and support from other people can really speed up the process and make it less intimidating as well. And so there's this kind of uh, back and forth between the role of the individual and the role of the community. And that's that's always true, I think. Hmm. And I just get super jazzed in the second level of that question. I think most of us know that capitalism pretty much sucks and isn't working and is putting us on a path that is not looking promising in the future. And we can say the same for consumerism. And so I get very excited about creating alternatives to that. I'm, I'm not waiting for someone, for a government or some global or national organization to present me with the solution, but I, I get very excited about trying to create solutions. And it's a big challenge and it is a lot of fun. It is great adventure.
1: Definitely. It's also important to remember that even people who you think didn't have a community like say Buddha or Jesus Christ in fact did. Buddha had a community of wanderers and ascetics like himself and he went from teacher to teacher and, and engaged in different communities on his process. And Jesus did the same thing. Jesus was part of an ancient tradition. And we don't know what Jesus did before 30, but there's some talk he was studying with other teachers in other places. In Kashmir? Supposedly, yeah. Perhaps. Yes. Thank you. Thank yes.
3: You. Uh, two more questions here. One from Maureen. She said, I'm wondering what other words you might use rather than crazy or what you'd suggest when speaking about this wisdom to others.
1: Another way to put it is basically like, do you fit in or not? So, if the average person fits into the paradigm that we're currently in, the current model, then you have religion. Religion is just a basically set of rules about how to live in community. But if you don't fit in, or you don't feel that there's, or you feel there's something missing in your world, then by their standards, you feel crazy, or they think you're crazy. So when you at least a bit odd, a bit odd, anyway. And so if you don't fit in or you don't want to fit in or you can't fit in, then you have to give up religion and take up spirituality. And spirituality, by definition, is religion with a ladder to the other side of the wall. Religion by itself will not take you to the other side of the wall. But with a ladder of a, a bit of challenge or exploration or courage, that ladder takes you to spirituality.
2: What's the wall again?
1: The wall is the is the ego's fear or the ego's terror of transcending its own separation and isolation.
2: Right, which keeps us in those little boxes.
3: How do you communicate in higher self to people who are in bully mode, especially as someone they see as controllable for being kind or female or spiritual or whatever they see as weakness from their perspective? Yes. How do we become enlightened when there is a disbelief in the spiritual, or when we are told that we're separate and that we must be crazy to be following anything of a spiritual nature.
1: Well, the brief that, answer. That's a few questions, yeah, right? Yeah. The brief, the brief answer for me is: you need different friends, and you need to yeah. find a different community, and you need yeah. to be dialoguing with different people. And you can't tell somebody who's up to their neck in alligators that your plan is to drain the swamp because they're too busy with alligators. So. My short suggestion for such a long question is find a community and find people around you and work with them. And for the mainstream, just keep your focus contained in your spiritual life. Keep that contained within yourself and work within the normal paradigm according to the rules of that paradigm. So give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and let them worry about that. Then you get on with it somewhere else
2: yeah I'd, I'd agree that's a great question and this is where spiritual community can be so valuable mm-hmm. because there is a real learning curve about how to respond skillfully to unwholesome states or unwholesome actions and the nature of unwholesome states in action is that they can catch us off guard or they can come in with the force of a force of nature like a cyclone and we're kind of caught off balance and it can be challenging to know how to respond in the moment. So it's great to be around other people who have experience doing that and see what they do under those kinds of conditions that they certainly arise in any community including spiritual communities so we can see oh how different people handle it and oh that was really skillful and we can also ask questions. This happened to me and what could I have done that would have been more skillful. Yeah. And we make extensive use of that living here in community at a Clear Sky. That's for sure one of, it's a tremendous resource. And that's why spiritual community is considered one of the triple gems.
1: Right. Absolutely. And perhaps just to correct a possible error that might be creeping in, it's not an us and them dialogue. It's a bit like fruit on a tree. So this side of the wall, the struggling people, and this side of the wall, the awakening people, is not an us and them dichotomy the important thing to remember is it's like fruit on a tree that this fruit is ready to fall so if you're a fruit picker you go out and you go oh i can pick this fruit and i can pick that fruit and i can pick this fruit these are people who are already either involved or seeking or working to awaken and this one is not yet ready or this one's not yet ripe. so we wait so it's not an us and them dialogue it's a ready or not ready dialogue I think an important point. That
2: is a very important point. Here at Clear Sky, this part of the world is world-renowned for hunting, and so there's a lot of hunters in this community, so it's really a gun culture. And I'm not from that, well, actually, I am from a gun culture, (laughs) (laughs) I think so. My mother's a crack shot, (laughs) but yeah, and I'm from the U.S., but I, I have not handled again myself and that's not something that I try to reduce that in in my world and so Sensei's point about it not being either or is so great because when we meet hunters the best thing that I love focusing on is what we share is we share a love of wildlife and we share an appreciation of the importance of healthy habitat and we can have really wonderful connections based on that and promote the health in in those values. And if we came at it from what our differences are then we could really just fall into conflict very easily.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on Apple Podcasts to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. Today's episode covers ideas that Doug and Catherine explore in detail in their best-selling book, Wasteland to Peerland. The third section of the book is entitled Crazy Wisdom, and covers a wide variety of topics, including the shadow, tantra, and money, sex, and power. Podcast listeners can download a free chapter from this section of the book by visiting planetdharma.com slash crazywisdom See you next time and may all our efforts benefit all beings.